Hi, and welcome to the Brooklyn Symphony Orchestra podcast. I'm Felipe Tristan, associate conductor, and the clip of music you just heard was The Nutcracker Suite by Duke Ellington. Today, we're happy to have Stephen Painter, violinist, BSO board member, and treasurer of the orchestra. And later, we will talk to principal trombonist Michael Ottaviano. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you very much for being here. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to see you. So let's jump right in. Where are you from? So I'm from North Carolina originally. Huh. Uh, Where in North Carolina? From Cary, North Carolina. How did you start in music? You're a violinist. You play first violin in the Brooklyn Symphony Orchestra, have multiple roles. You are also on the board of of directors and also our treasurer. Have you been president of the board before? I have been president. I joined the orchestra back in... 2007, um, so it's been a little while, and I was I joined the board pretty quickly, and then I was president like a for a couple of years, maybe a year into my membership with the orchestra. So tell us violin music. How did that happen in your life? When did it start? I started playing the violin when I was in third grade, so that's probably about nine years old. Was it like an orchestra program at school or lessons outside of? It, it was lessons outside of school. I remember when I was in elementary school, uh, a man named Dr. Russell, who came to my elementary school with his Suzuki students. Mm. Um, so I got to see him play violin with like, you know, I don't know, a handful of other kids. And I was very intrigued by Can it. you tell us uh quick version of what Suzuki is for those that we don't know. Sure. So Suzuki is a method of uh, studying violin, I think, where you study uh, mostly by ear. Um, You don't start off reading music. And so he was a Suzuki, very much in the Suzuki sort of style of teaching. Um, And I saw him and I saw his students uh, and I was captivated. And I so I began to uh, tell my mother and father that I wanted to play the violin. And I think that maybe... The next year, he came around to elementary school again, and I saw him and said to my mom and dad, I I really want to do this. I really want to do it. So uh, they hooked me up with, uh, actually, Dr. Russell for a very short amount of time, and then I went to another teacher who I studied with for... So it started all from you. You said, um, you were on the third grade, I want to play the violin, mother, father, get me a violin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, And I was also, I don't know... Like when in the chronology it happened, but I was also very obsessed with Itzhak Perlman somehow, um, huh. and so um, I just Zach remember Perlman, having, one of the greatest violinists yeah, yeah. today. Yeah, I just remember having a sort of a just really loving watching him play and hearing him play, and um, yeah, so that's that's how it started. He's one of your role models, inspirations. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. And so all this is in North Carolina. Then you grow up, start playing, uh, continue your violin lessons with Dr. Russell and other teachers, and then what happens? What comes next? As you grow and then go to school, play with orchestras, or what yeah, happens? Yeah, so I studied uh, I studied for a long while as a kid with um, uh, Marta Partridge, who I've got to give a shout-out to, uh, and, and then with Marilyn Coba when I was a teenager. Um, and so after that, and I played in youth orchestras, you know, from the time that I was, you know, um, probably seventh, eighth grade, played in, in youth orchestras, and then went to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill for school and played in the orchestra there. So I, I've played in orchestras for a good amount of my life. I, I went to law school and took a little bit of a break. You know, shortly before joining the BSO, 
I was living in D.C. and I joined an orchestra down there as well. So music so has always been part of your life and keeps pulling you back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you try to get out, but it pulls you back. Right, right. So you were playing in a number of different youth orchestras as you were growing. And did anyone in your family say, wow, like, where does music come from in Steven? Nobody else is a musician. Or do you have other musicians in your family? Well, I, uh, you know, growing up, my sister played the piano, uh, studied the piano, uh, or, or took piano lessons. Let's put it that way. And, But not uh, at the level that you have. I mean, she she didn't do it. She didn't do it. You know, into um, more of a thing. Yeah. It, right. Uh, so, but she played piano. I remember. I remember seeing her do that. And my mother played played piano. So I. Oh, I so was, yeah, there is. I music saw that. I saw them doing stuff on the piano and. Um, So you know, I guess I always knew that there was a it was possible to to play to play an instrument and and do that for fun. So years pass and you end up in New York City. How? Uh, well, you know, just kind of happenstance in a way. I mean, after law school, I, I moved to Chicago, um, and uh, met my now husband in Chicago, and still playing the violin through all these years. Well, you know, I took some time. I took some time off. I, I didn't have time to play while I was in law school. And then um, out of law school, I went to a firm in Chicago and it was, there was just really no, it was, there was no way to have a balance of, of, right. of life in that, in that sort of way. So uh, me and my husband moved to, to DC. That's when I sort of began to pursue it again. Um, I, I joined an orchestra that was in Rockville, Maryland and, um, and played in that group for probably a year or two, and then we moved up to New York. Auditioning for the BSO, one of the first things you did musically in New York, or you did other things before? No, that's it. That's, that was, uh, I, moved, I moved here in uh, September of 2006 and started at the BSO January of 2000, oh, wow. uh, 2007. So, right, right, yeah. right. Within months. Yeah, yeah. So how has the BSO changed in the last 10 years, for example? I think it's changed quite a lot. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest changes has been uh, our new home with the uh, at the Brooklyn Museum. We've been at the Brooklyn Museum for I don't know how many seasons now. Um, shout out to the Brooklyn Museum. Shout That's out to the Brooklyn Museum. That's right. Uh, it's a wonderful partnership, and it's something that I think is it, it's just really been a, a huge um, benefit to the orchestra to have to have that relationship with the museum. And and I think in the last year, that's also sort of developed other kinds of things in the orchestra we've we do uh, more chamber chamber music than we used to and i know that at the museum we've been playing pop-up concerts uh where different members of the orchestra get together in different groups and different instrumentations and and play uh chamber music really small small kind of um intimate concerts at the right museum. so definitely more much uh more offerings of concerts Not just the season concert, the full symphony, but now we do have a chamber series, this uh, residence at Brooklyn Museum, and and also Mark Morris. Uh, yeah, at the Mark Morris Dance Studio. Mark Morris Dance, right. Dance Center. That's great. And now, for example, we are going to Mexico for the first time. Can you tell us about it? Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, this is so exciting for the orchestra. Um, and I have to say thank you to you uh, for all of your work Uh you know, putting this together. And, Absolutely. And also a shout out to Sarah Richards, I have to say. Yes, um, she's been working nonstop. We have a concert coming up on February 23rd at the Brooklyn Museum, and we are taking that on the road. Um, and we're going to have a, a, a great opportunity to 
to be working with the National Conservatory down down in Mexico City, and I guess we're doing a couple of concerts. It's just having the chance to to work with these musicians and to, uh, you know, to 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 make this music in a different context and to see the city. It's just it's just a it's a wonderful opportunity. It's you know when two two countries, uh, you know, musicians from two countries collaborate together and and and, and get together to make music. Um, right. It's uh. It, it's a real treat to uh, to be able to be a part of something where you're building something. Right, exactly. And and making it uh, through music. Uh, the National Conservatory of Mexico will uh, will be hosting us. We'll be in residence there, uh, rehearse and present two concerts, one at the conservatory and one at the Castillo de Chapultepec. Which beautiful, is a great place. Beautiful yeah. place, yeah. So stay tuned our lovely audience for our first trip to Mexico as Stephen Painter just uh, summarized. So uh, what's the repertoire that we're taking to Mexico? So we are um, doing a few pieces. We are uh, doing a piece um, that you've been working with us on, the... Uh, 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 a Danzón Danzón number, number four, four, Marquez. By Marquez. Um, which is a great piece. I love complicated, yeah, yeah. but fun nonetheless. It's great fun. I love it. I love the, uh, <laughs> you know, the 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 mix the mix meter. You know, uh, yeah, it keeps I, you busy. Yeah, I think Definitely. it's like it's like, uh, you know, eighty percent, probably more than eighty percent of orchestral <laughs> music is like in predictable, you know, four beats, three beats per measure, or whatever it is. Right. And this stands and it's just like right. you know, five, seven. 11, you, know, 11, you yeah. name it. So that's great fun. Exactly. And so we're also performing a list, the preludes. The preludes. Um, Beethoven, Leonora. Right. And we're doing that. I guess this is the uh, the 250th anniversary of uh, Beethoven's birth. So that's I think right. that we've been doing a little bit of Beethoven every concert this season. I think so, yes. Um, so we're doing the Leonora Overture, uh, this concert. And, um, and then we're doing a piece by Tchaikovsky, which is... An interesting piece. It's uh, Suite Number Four, Mutz Artiana, um, by Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky, yeah. Um, which is a tribute to uh, Mozart. Right. Which is kind of nice, also, because uh, I, 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 uh, each each of the movements is, um, you know, uh, a piece by Mozart that he's kind of reset, uh, you know, in a Tchaikovsky kind of style. Um, but the third movement, I think, is uh, actually a Mozart uh, setting that was. I don't know, transcribed by Franz Liszt and then taken by Tchaikovsky. By Tchaikovsky. So it's kind of like a nice yeah, little yeah. sort of symmetry Round. on the program. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I agree. So uh, everyone here in New York City, you have a chance to listen to this fascinating program at the Brooklyn Museum. We'll be talking about it later. So, Stephen, thank you so much for your time, for being here today. Anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. Thank you for having me, though. It's a pleasure, as always. And we're back here in the studio. We have a very special guest, principal trombonist of the Brooklyn Symphony Orchestra, Michael Ottaviano. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me, Felipe. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? Great. It's, it's a pleasure to see you, pleasure to have you here. I have too many questions to ask, but let's start with a basic question. Where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Hope Valley, Rhode Island. Very small town. 
And did you start in music since you were a child or later? Yeah, I started I started officially playing the trombone in the middle school band when I joined in fifth grade, 10 years old. Yeah. You know, it's always been a very interesting subject to me, the subject of ambusher and the brass instruments. Me being a flute player, I'm always curious with the buzzing situation. Can you give us like essential three things to know about buzzing in a brass instrument? Yeah, definitely. Uh, first one is that, well, it's like no matter what instrument you're playing, it's really going to be the same shape. Uh, trumpet, trumpet embouchure is the same as a tuba embouchure. You just have to fit it into a smaller hole. Uh, but like, so for instance, if you play... I'll use trombone as the example. If you play middle C on trombone and middle C on the trumpet, like concert pitch middle C, they'll both be like the same embouchure. Uh, it's just the the mouthpiece that you're putting it into and then the shape of the instrument that's going to affect the tone and how they sound so different. That would be number one. Uh, number two is actually one that I heard in a master class uh, with a tubist, uh, Dave Zirkel, who I think is playing with the Atlanta Symphony right now. And... Um, What he said was there are no high notes, only faster air, which is another, yeah, which is another really good way to think of it. Um, it's like, it's really similar to, to like vibrating a rate or a string, actually. Oh boy. I mean, I could get really esoteric here and, and like with my metaphor, but I'll try to keep it contained. But yeah, if you blow faster air, the vibration will happen faster and you don't have to think so much about like squeezing so many young so not players the pressure yeah no 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 that's that's a that's such a thing especially with young players obviously and and totally guilty um but at energy playing develops and as you mature uh, so speed of air is mm -hmm. an essential oh yeah element is manipulation of the air stream uh -huh, yes uh -huh. definitely and like how much pressure you're putting on it with your lungs for sure very similar to woodwind playing speed of air uh-huh yeah yeah Sorry. definitely And then, oh, so I had those two right off the top of my head, but I don't know what a third one would be. Make sure you stay, always stay relaxed, you know? Yeah. It's never about power. It's about control. Control. Very interesting. So very nice, quick, and direct lesson into brass playing one-on-one. I am here for you. Thank you. So on that note, Mike, he was telling me he had suffered of a, a physical Uh, limitation and so as as a way of recovering he chose the flute which I don't know if it was the best move to do but let's talk about it what's this it. situation happening all right so well so what happened was um, yeah sometime back like early June of last year I remember I just had one day where I just I practiced too much I guess and then The next day I woke up and my, my elbow was in a lot of pain and my slide arm, my right arm. Like we were saying, like musicians, we'll just push through because, listen, you, you, you got to practice. You got to be the best, right? So you just keep practicing no matter what. Did you ignore the pain I for exactly a while? did that, yes. Hmm. Um, thinking it was normal? Yeah, yeah. I was like, it'll go away. And uh, it did not. And after after about a month, I went and saw a physical therapist. And the diagnosis was? Um, well, they didn't give me a diagnosis. They were like probably tendonitis. Uh, and then so then I went and saw a doctor um, a few months later, and he said, "Yeah, probably tendonitis." And then I badgered him enough, and I got an ultrasound, and they were like, "Oh, it's tendinosis, which is like a more advanced form of tendonitis." But you know, I've been recovering it. I've been recovering. I do my physical therapy. I ice it. I do all the things I'm supposed to do, and. It's been getting better, but it is, it's a very slow process. I am optimistic, yeah. 
is this the first the first time it happens in your career since you started playing the trombone at age 10? Uh, it is actually not. I did play on cruise ships for a little while. Um, at a, right out of college, I was on Royal Caribbean. And um, actually on my first contract with them, there was it was the same thing. I practiced too much in one day. And that one, that one wasn't my arm. That one was my embouchure. But I did. I like literally blew out my chops, which you'll hear brass players say. It's it's will or will where you just you play so much or you play so intensely or you do, you know exactly the things I was saying earlier that you shouldn't do. Like you just use the pressure and the you force it, um, and you'll like just literally you just strain a muscle in the embouchure, you know something like that. And so I did that in like on my first contract. Okay, so going back to uh, the path, tell us why you started playing the band. Then, at what point did you say music is for me? I'm doing this. I remember uh, I was in my sophomore year of high school. Um, I mean, I had always been very, very avid student of music. I got a guitar. I got a keyboard. Um, this is all in Rhode Island. Yeah, this was all in Rhode Island. This was all like as a kid, you know. And I was playing and learning, teaching myself all these, all these things, and like learning music theory through that. Uh, very much self-taught, and then. Like one day in my sophomore year of high school, I was just having the discussion with my band director, and he just he put the idea in my head. He said, "You should, you should consider this." And I was like, "Oh, you can go to school for this? You can do this in college? Yeah, of course I'm going to do that. Why would I do anything else? This is the best." Uh, yeah, his name was Michael Zilski. I just want to give that call out. Nice, nice. Let's fast forward a little bit from Rhode Island to New York, oh, or no. were there things <laughs> in between? There were lots of things in between. Cliff Notes version, let's see, Rhode Island to Anchorage, Alaska, to wow. Albany, New York, yeah, uh, and during that time was, like, the cruise ships was kind of interspersed in there, back to Rhode Island, to Washington, D.C., to Virginia for graduate school, then to New York. Wow. Yeah. So I have a question about uh, the uh, band at the cruise ships. Uh -huh. I've heard it's a great gig to have, but also a lot of playing. You know, it's not that bad. It was rough, again, now, because I had this injury. It was like, it is every day, pretty much. So that is, like, not one conducive. One show or how many shows a day? Depends. Could be one. Um, could be as many as three. You Probably not more than three. Um, if you do three shows, it'll be like, you'll have, like a, like, a jazz set for the public, and then there'll be, like, two shows with, like, a guest entertainer where you're, you're like, the pit band for, like, a singer or something like that. Um, and you'll do like two shows a night. For Does that it matter thing. whether it's a weekend or a weekday since no, everybody no. is on a vacation? Immaterial. Time does not matter. You know, party twenty four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of three and four day cruises too, which uh -huh. is little, like short little routes. So like literally days of the week don't matter. So um, and then you went to grad school for music. I mm -hmm. gather. Uh huh. George Mason University. Uh, music performance, music education, music, music history. performance. Uh huh. Two performance degrees. Trombone. Trombone. Uh, did you specialize in any particular repertoire or register of the trombone? You play all the trombones. Uh, I actually don't play bass trombone, um, which is a pain <laughs> because it's a very useful doubling to have. Uh, but it's just never, it's something I never got into, which again, kind of ironic given how earlier I mentioned how much I like bass. Um, how hard would it be to learn it? Probably, it probably wouldn't be that bad, to be honest. It's just uh, I would have to drop the money to get one. You know, that's that's the pain. In and what about, like, physical? 
capability like do you need to do crazy amount of mouth gymnastics more or? air definitely more air more air lower notes take more air um broader air stream so it is and also the the bass trombones themselves the big difference really it's not like so many like you know as a flutist you know bass flute is like a totally different instrument from right. a flute right right uh bass trombone is really the same as a tenor trombone it's just fatter uh, and so it gives you like a nice fuller sound in the low register and then it has like the extra trigger a lot of the time But that's not essential. So it really is a very similar instrument uh, You just like I said have to get used to the wider airstream and using more air to do it Uh-huh. So how did you end up in New York and when? Uh, I came to New York actually right after I graduated Because um, what happened was I graduated like May of 2016 right from George Mason so 2016, you graduate from your second degree in performance. That's right. And then at the in the first week of June of that year was the International Trombone Festival was being hosted at Juilliard that year. And so I was like, well, that's only a five-hour bus ride, so I might as well do that. Uh, so I was here in town. I had a friend from high school who was living in Crown Heights at the time, so I crashed on her couch while I went to... Uh, went to the ITF at Juilliard, and just during those four days, I said, wow, this place is awesome. And This place, uh, meaning New York? New York, yeah. Uh -huh. I just, like, fell in love with the city, and so... Uh, I'm staying here. Yeah, my lease was up in Virginia at the end of June anyway, so... Just like that. <laughs> yeah, so less, less than 30 days later, wow. I was living in Bushwick. So you get to New York, attend the conference at Juilliard, you are uh, falling in love with New York, you want to stay here and get an apartment in Bushwick, and what's next? And then the first thing I did was I uh, reached out to a couple of guys that I had met at the conference who I knew were in the city, and um, I got linked up with uh, a group of guys who would play in Brooklyn over at over at Mark Morris, actually, a group of trombone players. Oh, yeah. Right where uh, the BSO is in residence. Yes, coincidence? I think not. Uh, <laughs> and so... Yeah, this, this is like a summer reading session they do, and it's on Monday nights too, weirdly enough, which is when the BSO rehearses. And um, But they just get together on Studio D on the second floor there, and it's, it'll be like anywhere from four or five to maybe eight or nine guys, uh, just trombone players from just around the area. Just trombone players. Yeah, and we just all bring whatever rep you have, and we all just read trombone choir stuff. And yeah, lots of fun. And that's um, where I met Jeremy Kempton, who... Uh, unfortunately, I just have to say recently passed away, and so we all send out good good thoughts and prayers and vibes to his wife. Um, but he, uh, so I got involved with the BSO because he actually asked me to sub for him on the first concert of that fall because he had been injured and wasn't able to play. Um, and then I kind of backdoored my way into the symphony that way. <laughs> so every instrument has its sort of like, cliches or stigmas that the flute's always going to trill, the clarinet is sad or whatever. Uh, what are the, some of the stigmas or cliches, positive or not, with a trombone? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. There are so many. I mean... Wah, wah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to start with. Nailed it. Yeah, the trombones are the doofuses of the orchestra. It's, <laughs> it's in the nature. Because you have, I mean, the slide just, you know, you know, you have... Has it happened that in like a children's concert, they kill kids go oh, yeah. crazy about... Yes. I mean, you know, I've done a few different instrument modeling demonstrations, you know, 
as a teacher and just like in high school and whatnot. And no matter what, you play the coolest thing you can and they go, that's nice. And then you just go, and kids go nuts (laughs) for that. It's never fails. Yeah, we'll do. So it's been a pleasure talking to you, learning so much from the trombone, from brass instruments, from you, from your story, your path into the BSO. Uh, hope uh, we we want to hope you the best and quick recovery. Thank you very much. Have you back in the orchestra as soon as possible. I would love to be back sooner rather than later. And thank you so much for being here today, Michael. Felipe, thank you for having me. This was this was really cool. Absolutely. Please visit brooklynsymphonyorchestra.org for more episodes of the podcast and to purchase tickets to our concerts at the Brooklyn Museum. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Produced by Joey Glick and Plush NYC. I'm Felipe Tristan. Thank you for listening. <laughs>